This is the Leader Connect podcast, where leadership is quite simply about being you. We chat to real leaders who offer their insight on how to lead authentically, successfully, and most importantly, happily, every day of the week. In this episode, I chat to Dan Barcroft. Dan is Director of Student Recruitment, Marketing and Admissions at Sheffield University. With a team of 140 talented people under his helm, Dan knows a thing or two about being an authentic leader, how to craft the perfect, clear and compelling purpose, and why Percy Pig Sweets are a wellness essential. Enjoy. Dan, hello. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a genuine pleasure to have a conversation with you. Um, And the first thing that I wanted to ask you was, how are you? And what have you, we've we've kind of been locked away for about two years, which is shocking. And I wanted to ask you, what have you learned from that period of time, maybe about yourself, maybe about leadership, um, maybe about the world. What have you learned? Wow. Uh, well, first, thanks for having me. Um, I think, how am I? Um, I, I? I think, do you know what? Actually, I, I feel that probably over the last two years, we've all got um, a lot to be really proud of, no matter what walk of life. And somebody said, which caught me off guard a little bit, and said, actually, we've all done amazing things from our spare rooms and bedrooms and, and couches. And actually, when you think about it, we, we actually have, you know, certainly in my sector, we've kept things going and we've kept things running against really difficult circumstances. And, and that I'm really proud of. I guess what have I learned, actually, and one of the things that I think is brilliant is that and I think we've all learned it is that flexibility and in, in approach to working um, is now the norm. You know, I think gone are the days where when somebody said they were working from home, everybody thought they were sat watching homes under the hammer of a, of a, of a morning um, and maybe keeping an eye on emails. It's actually the fact that you can be productive and it can work. And I think as we move perhaps some of us into a more hybrid way of working, you start to see people really hang on to those kind of things that they've learned. And so for me, I, I guess what have I learned? It's I've learned that actually we can adapt and we can change and we can hold on to it when we really need to. And I think that's really been really a key. And it's it's that resilience, isn't it? It's that that, that I think a lot of us didn't realise we had and now realise that we do have in swathes. And, and as a as a world, as I was going to say, as a country, but but the world, I think we've really tapped into our resilience. And, and for business and for leadership, that's really, really powerful as well. Um, so can you give me and, and give the people listening to this amazing podcast, and it's worth pointing out that Dan is our first guest, which is brilliant. Um, can you give me in, in kind of 30 seconds your CV so that people understand where you're coming from and where you are now? Wow, okay. So I guess the first thing to say is I've always worked in higher education. Um, I, since graduating, I've worked at about five different universities from um, Northumbria University right through to where I am now at Sheffield via Reading, Essex, Cumbria and Lancaster, not necessarily in that order. Um, And I've always worked in uh, student recruitment, marketing um, areas and, and promoting the values and um, of education, not just in the UK, but around the world. Well, I love that. And, and I love the fact that you're still at university because let's face it for me, university was one of the best periods of, of time in my life because it was about getting out there and being creative and, 
and maybe feeling like I was an adult for a little bit of that time. But universities, and we've got some amazing universities in, in our country, um, and, but university is, is kind of where it all happens for people. It's where people start to learn about themselves, isn't it? And, and that's really exciting. Yeah, I think I think, you know, one thing that I've, my experience tells me is that our British university and education system is, you know, revered around the world. And um, I think that's that's really important. And and, you know, actually along the way uh, in my work with um, students in various different guises, you know, you see that transformation that happens in people and and that excitement when people kind of visit somewhere for the first time and the kind of passion that people have for wanting to experience the UK etc and and it, it it really is a privilege and sometimes I think that's an overused word but it actually is a real privilege when you get to support somebody through that that journey of a, a real kind of transformational step for them that as you say ends up as we all reflect on our own experiences of universities to be so fundamental in creating the adult version of who we are uh, absolutely have you always been a leader um no i think that's the um i think i would like to think that i've always been a leader and the the, the biggest separation for me has been where i think when I was more junior, certainly when um, I was kind of probably in the first five to seven years of my career, I didn't, um, I thought that leading was a certain thing that you did and it was about being, you know, overly corporate and it was about, you know, being in the right place at the right times and turning up to the right committees and keeping your mouth shut about this, that and the other and, you know, not having ideas that outshone your bosses and all that kind of stuff. And all the things that I think, you know, still do exist in um, in, in in the workplace. I guess when I really became a leader was when I couldn't hide behind that anymore and I really kind of just decided that the best thing and the only thing I could do was to be me and um, that actually meant that then when I trusted myself and what I knew I was capable of, um, I could achieve all of those things without trying to fit into a mould that isn't really, it doesn't really exist in, in lots of ways and is just kind of passed down or, or, or is as a result of sometimes negative culture. And it's exhausting, isn't it, trying to fit into that mould? And I know for me that suddenly life became so much easier when I felt, or, or it's almost like somebody gave me, I gave myself permission to be who I am and to lead as that person. And that's life-changing. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think this is another thing where the pandemics help, you know, I always thought that one of the kind of key bits that made all of that exhausting was presenteeism you know about being seen to be in it you know 10 to 6 in the morning and being seen to be there at kind of half seven at night and um but the, the reality is actually that covid and and working from home has virtually eradicated that because you know yes you can be seen through emails you, that you send but actually you're not people don't physically see you all the time and so you have to rely on people and trust people to deliver outputs and actually that's much more important you know and I always say to my team I don't really care um when they do the work I don't care how they do it I don't care where they sit um I care that the ultimately the impact is the best that it can be and that the job's done and I think also we now live in a world where um 
so nine to five is is generally what we assume is when we've got to work. But but I also know that, you know, I do my best work. I get up at five thirty in the morning because I'm a lunatic. But I know that my brain is is buzzing at that time and I'm working really well at that time. That not might not work for everybody. And then also that that whole kind of concept of of allowing people to take a bit of time off, for, you know, at lunchtime and, and and have a power nap and then do more work a little bit later or working around family life. And I think you're so right. It is about output. And as a leader, feeling confident enough in your team to understand that, you know, John in accounts, you might not have a John in accounts, works better at this period of time and but likes to have a run at lunchtime and, and getting the best out of your people whenever that might be. You know, and as a leader, you've got to be comfortable with that and you've also got to show uh, what works for you and be upfront about that. So my team know that I am not a morning person. I have tried, I never will be. Um, you know, and and, it, and and that's that's communicated, you know, in a 360 way. So both, you know, all of my team and my boss know that if you do get an email from me about in six o'clock in the morning, then probably you should read it because it's important because that is not my that is not my peak time. You know, you're more likely to receive, you know, six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night or, you know, an odd thought. And that's fine. And I think the other thing that I've seen a shift in is that, you know, we all now openly put about, you know, I might choose to respond at this time, but please don't feel under pressure to do so. And I think as, as we've kind of taken on board the importance of everyone's well-being, we've started to, that all feels much more normal. And I think anyone that, um, I always say to the team that, you know, I trust everybody implicitly until I'm given a reason not to. And I think that's quite, as a leader, that's quite a, a brave thing because often leaders have such kind of levels of responsibility and pressures to deliver. But actually, if you do build that trust, um, then that trust gets repaid to you more in, in two or threefold, I think. And I think that's really important. So I wanted to, to talk about communication, which we're just sort of touching on, um, and about the communications pyramid that, that we talk about a lot. Um, and people will know if they've done a course with Neil um, or if they've been on to Leader Connect and they, or, or indeed if they've read the leadership book. So at the top of that communications pyramid is this beautiful zone that we call peak communication, where you've pushed through the ritual and cliche, um, you know, good morning, John from accounts, um, you know, how are you? And that kind of niff naff and trivia that sort of means something but isn't quite enough. And we then get to the point where we're, we're talking about emotions and feelings, which I'm guessing that you've got to with your team. But I want to understand, a lot of people say to me, you know, how do I get from that kind of rich and cliche to the beautiful immune, um, you know, emotions and feelings stage, and then to that peak communication stage. How have you done that with your team and how do you continue to do that with your team? I think the first thing, I mean, th this communications pyramid, I, I, I love, it's one of my favorite things that, that I've ever kind of learned really. Uh, and actually it's one of the things that I applied the most to, uh, because you, you it, but what I would say is that, 
it's hard work and you have to as a leader you have to model that behavior so you know you have to kind of go against maybe some of that ritual and cliche and actually when you, you kind of take an interest in how people are you've got to actually mean it but it's more than that and I think what we've what we've done in with the team is over time and it does take time as well so it's effort hard work time you've you've got to you know you've got to build relationships with people um, and that means knowing the good and the not good bits about all of our, you know, individual characteristics and kind of wrestling with that a little bit. And I think that where what we've done, though, is that we've we've said in a professional context that actually, you know, talking about thoughts and feelings and it, it isn't it isn't all about touchy feely. You know, um, it isn't it doesn't mean we have to all be emotional all the time. <laughs> you know we can we we can just we it's about just being honest about the way that things are and what i found and i know what the team have found is that and teams that i've worked with before is that when you know perceptions or um things that people have observed have kind of got mixed or confused when they articulate how that perception makes them feel and it gives the it gives somebody else in the team an opportunity or it gives me an opportunity to clarify that it takes it away and again it re-solidifies that trust and so it means that you as time goes on you have to work less hard uh, at keeping the kind of communication in that top of the pyramid because you've built that trust and you've kind of you've walked the walk as well as taught the talk and and you've set expectations and um it um, it is it is exactly that it's it's kind of setting the parameters and and people understanding some of that um some of that body language stuff as well so um knowing that you know when you come into a room and poor old john from accounts somebody somewhere is going to have a john in accounts aren't they look if you're john in accounts put your hand up or get in touch with us because we want to know you but you know just understanding that if john in accounts is, is coming in and he um you know he's he's not having his porridge that morning you know what what's going on there or or just observing those kind of things and being a really good understander of of body language and yes you're right it isn't all about the the emotional stuff and sitting down in a in a circle and giving each other a hug which is lovely but but that doesn't necessarily work for everybody's team and um, so that's really interesting and the fact that you've said you have to work really hard at this stuff is so important um flipping that you know I, I'm, I'm working hard on the work that I've got to do but actually if you're working hard on your people um then some of that work is kind of is kind of taken away from you as well isn't it yeah, and I would add there you know I think the under the, the thing I would underline from what you've just said is that you work on your people and we all know as leaders that the bit that's around, you know, the traditional HR management or the leadership bit of people is buried somewhere in the depths of people's job descriptions. And, you know, it's record, you know, and it's just there. Um, when we all know the reality is that you spend the bulk of your time, uh, particularly as a, as a senior leader, you spend the bulk of your time managing relationships, both upwards, downwards, sideways, all different ways. And actually, you know, 
people, understanding people and motivating people and inspiring people um, and supporting people are, are, you know, things that as a leader you've got to deploy with often within a moment's notice based on that kind of combination of what's being said and what you've seen um, in terms of body language. I know that recently um, I observed that and felt confident enough to say in a group where it was a team meeting, some of my team, the body language wasn't, I thought particularly engaged or positive and I managed to bring that up in a way that wasn't kind of picking on anyone but said actually am I have I got this right it was an open question have I got this right I'm sensing that you're perhaps not as engaged and actually what came out of that that what was going on at the time for that person was something completely outside of work but as a result that was shared and then people were more supportive and so it was a more transformational positive experience but it is having that confidence to and I know some people can see it as prying, but you've got to be able to, you know, create the environment where it's okay to be open, honest. And we spend more time with our work mates, colleagues, whatever. I, I hope that they are friends as much as you want that to happen. We spend more time with them than we do with our families, with our partners with our kids, with our dogs, in our case, cats, dogs, gerbils, fish, all that lot. Um, so it is really important that we allow people to feel that they can share those kind of things with us because we are spending so much time with them. And that's really important. Completely. I wanted to ask you about your, um, your clear and compelling purpose. And I think that people understand the importance of this. You know, we, we call it, we, we've called it having a direction for the team or, um, you know, goal or mission or whatever, but I much prefer the term. And I'm not just saying this because I, I love what Neil does, but genuinely I think the clear and compelling purpose just sums it up beautifully, doesn't it? What is your clear and compelling purpose, perhaps, for, for your team, for, for your department? And then also the second part of that question is, do you have a clear and compelling purpose for yourself? Because I think that's equally as important. So let's start with the, with the first one. What is the clear and compelling purpose that you have for the team at the uh, moment? So our, our, our clear and compelling purpose is to provide a premium service to prospective students um, that are thinking of the university. So it's that simple. So we wanted to embody within that um, a culture of um, ongoing development, recognising that we need to keep on our toes and we need to develop and, and kind of um, evolve that kind of service. But it comes back to, you know, we are a service uh, and the key audience is there. And that is ultimately everything that we do should be guided by that. And, and actually that the team um, have responded really, really well to that. And we see now that get mentioned uh, about, well, actually, you know, this bit, we could do this, but that's not really top dollar, is it? So that's not kind of going into that premium space. So we do, we do see it kind of trickle down into different ways, but people now are asking them the question, which I think is a really important bit. They're kind of going, is this the best that we can do? And sometimes the answer is, this is the best we can do right now, given the time and the resources, et cetera. But we've got a plan to do, you know, build on that in the future. So I found that to be one of the things in terms of particularly, you know, I've got um, in my area, 140 people that, that I lead. And so actually something that kind of wraps around all of those people, all those different levels and roles and all the rest of it is, is, is really 
powerful and something so simple but so um pointed brings everybody together so that's been really good and how easy was that clear and compelling purpose to to how easy was it to develop it because i think that's where people get stuck is that yours is is very short very clear very concise and has made me smile um and but it's not always that easy to to come up with something like that so how did that process work so um, i would say as a start that i sat down to draft this and thought well it's only a sentence i'll it'll take me you know, maybe I'll need to put a bit of thought in it. So maybe it'll take me half an hour. I literally spent the entire afternoon drafting, redrafting, adding bits, writing a paragraph, deleting half of it, starting again. It's really, it's really, it is really hard, but actually that process of going through, well, do you know what? That doesn't really quite nail it all. That bit's important, but it's not really key to the actual uh, centre of what we're trying to do. And so, being self-critical about that was really good and then kind of testing that out with others in the team and then obviously in the wider team and getting people to comment on it we ended up with a kind of situation where we have the um clear and compelling purpose and then we have a set of values then that we kind of we, we want to kind of modify or, or kind of model our culture around um, and then we also have some, we had some key things that we felt that we plans that we wanted to do that needed. So we um, collectively put together or the team put together a people plan that which kind of was, was involved in kind of upping training development and, and kind of skill um, development to make sure that we could achieve that clear and compelling purpose. But that was kind of secondary, but that came out of the ongoing discussion. So it, it was it was harder then I naively went into it, but it was more worthwhile. Because it's the glue, isn't it? And, and, and you've just said that by having this one sentence, you've developed these other bits and pieces underneath, you know, the, the values underneath that. And we know that having a strong set of values for the organisation helps with everything, particularly with, you know, with decision making. You know, I want to make this decision, but does it fit with the values? Does it fit with the clear and compelling purpose? And, and yet that time that you've put in is now saving you time with everything else going forwards. And, and I wanted to ask, actually, if you would be OK maybe to, um, to, to share, obviously, you've just shared the clear and compelling purpose, but perhaps the values and, and we can put that into Leader Connect so that other people can look at it. Um, yeah. Because it is all about sharing our experiences and, you know, you've, you've done the work and I know that people struggle with this. They love the clear and compelling purpose, but as you've just said, getting it, is not always easy. So the second part of that question was to ask you if you have a clear and compelling purpose for yourself. Um, it's not something that I've thought of. Um, I, I would I would say that rather than a clear and compelling purpose, I kind of boiled it down to uh, an overused word, and more so these days around authenticity, mm -hmm. um, and. It, and I think I ask, I ask myself a lot about whether I am being true to myself and, um, you know, and that, that comes along the lines with sometimes perhaps not being as harsh on yourself as you might be in certain situations as a leader and, and recognising that sometimes as a leader, you get stuff right and you get stuff really wrong and it's about kind of, well, have I been true to myself? I got that wrong, really. I need to go and rectify that in whatever way. So I, I guess... 
I don't have a clear and compelling purpose for myself, although you could argue that that value of authenticity, I hold really, really close. And I kind of, that is kind of my, I guess, bedrock really for uh, and compass to make sure that I think we achieve the best that we possibly can. Because as we said earlier, everything in certainly in, in the work that I do is people. And you have to be, I mean, it is an overused word, but there's some of those overused words are overused for a very good reason. And I love the word authentic. And it's very difficult in a world where we're bombarded with, um, you know, stuff from social media, influences from, from outside our world to actually be, to, to actually know who you are is, is really challenging. Some of that comes with age, um, but it's also why I'm really passionate about instilling leadership values and understanding of leadership in, in people at, as young as we possibly can, which allows them to be authentic going through their lives. Um, but it isn't an easy thing to do, but it is honestly, alongside that clear and compelling purpose and having that set of values, understanding who you are and being authentic just makes life so much easier, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, if, if you are authentic and, you know, you're true to yourself, then, you know, it's so much easier than trying to be somebody that you're not. Yeah. And, you know, and that might mean that that you have to kind of know that because you have to kind of say, do you know what, sometimes, I mean, it's never happened to me, thankfully, but, uh, you know, if you feel that for whatever reason, who you are and your values don't re aren't really kind of in line with the your professional environment, then change it, you know. I mean, it, for me, I've always been lucky that I've always worked with great people and where that does align, but for some, it doesn't, I think, realising that it might be the dream job, but if you can't be you, you're going to end up miserable. So, you know, the ultimate self-care is, as you said, we're in work a long time. So let's make it enjoyable, you know, and, and do yourself, do yourself the justice that you deserve. And that's moved to somewhere else where they are going to um, respect and value all the different um, characteristics that, that you bring. Best bit of advice there ever Dan thank you for that and I, I could see your face light up when you said it as well so um that's wonderful um so I wanted I love this concept of putting your own oxygen mask on first um again probably widely overused but it's so true isn't it um how do you look after yourself um I think that I've learned to listen so I wouldn't I wouldn't like to say that you know uh, well, I'm one of these people that kind of insists on, you know, a, a Pilates session, it, uh, you know, three times a day and, you know, I'm on smoothies. You know, sometimes, sometimes a, a film and, and a bag of your confectionery of choice just has to be enough. And I think that's OK. Um, I guess I guess you, it's life's all about balance, isn't it? So I think, you know, sometimes when working from home, um, getting into the wide open space for a kind of long really kind of perhaps slightly challenging you know 10 or 12 mile walk is definitely something which really removes your headspace I find for me from um whatever work is and actually gives you a, a better perspective but then sometimes um you know if you've been busy and, and dashing about sometimes just closing everything down and focusing on um what does need doing and sometimes it is okay to have a duvet day you know 
Um, and I just, I, I think, I think anyone that pretends that you know, you, 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 very virtuous. I just don't think it's the reality. You know, when people relax in different ways, and that's fine. Um, but for me, I guess the overall thing is it's about listening to myself but also not overindulging myself either and so kind of striking a balance there. And what is your favourite confectionery of choice? Oh well now you're asking. Um, <laughs> I think I think currently well I'll go for the the all-time favourite and that's a, a good bag of Percy Pigs. Hey before you go do you want to know how to craft your clear and compelling purpose? Well Check out the link in our show notes for the leadership book, a step-by-step guide to leadership excellence. It's written by Leader Connect founder and coach Neil Jurd, and it is the one leadership book that you will return to time and time again because it's full of wisdom that you can use right now to make leading simple, effective, and real. Real you, real leadership.